How did you um, get into financial consulting? The Department of Labor statistics indicate it's one of the fastest growing professions. Okay. I like the balance of it. Plus, my dad was an accountant. You know, he had the whole shtick. The, like, dorky pocket protector and... I have a pocket protector. What's your last name? Rubenfeld. All right, so you may not need an accountant. Welcome back to Not Another Accounting Podcast. Nat for short, because it's the only accounting podcast that won't put you right to sleep. I'm your host, Hamza Hetner. With me, as always, Jesse Rubenfeld, our founder, CEO, and my boss, Jesse. What's up? What's going on? Welcome back, Tom. Thank you. Episode 32, we're rocking and rolling. Oh, yeah. Many people are saying we're podcast gurus at this point, although I, I have heard that using the word guru can be a bit of a slur in the guru community. Have you heard that? I have, and I'm not concerned. Yeah, me neither. I feel like it's not a bad word. I guess there's just a lot of phonies out there saying they're gurus and they're not. We are certainly not gurus, but we are gurus. I don't know if we can say it or not, but we have three good segments today. One segment, really, really, really good segment, practical expedience and materiality. Those words probably sound a little bit You're saying bit that because it's your your segment. It is my, yeah. And is that the really good segment? My segment's good. Your segment's good, but they're both good segments. Okay. They're both good. They're, well, my other segment's going to be really good too. Okay. Well, I think my first, like, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, when we find out what it is, we can, evaluate, we can reevaluate. Audience. Okay. All right. Fine. Practical experience and materiality, uh, really common sense accounting for startups, right? Don't overcomplicate it. Keep it simple. We're going to dive into that. It's a really, really important topic for all of the startups out there and also for the accounting firms doing work for them. Um, but as always, we also have two secret segments. Jesse and I like to keep each other on our toes. We don't like to talk about what the segments are going to be beforehand and we'll each reveal them now. So Jesse, um, last week I asked you, what would you do if we sold Phenoptimal for a billion dollars? And uh, you very rudely didn't ask me what I would do uh, with my <laughs> portion of that. So I actually want to pitch you a couple ideas, especially you're going to have much more than me. So I want to see if you would invest in any of my ideas. So that's going to be my segment. We'll start with that. Can I, can then, I just say no now, or do I have to hear the ideas? Fine, dude. You want to walk away from that? You're, you're, the, <laughs> you're the worst Shark Tank panel ever, dude. You're like <laughs> okay. Guppy Tank. Okay. 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 All right. What's all your right. segment? I'm all ears. Segment? My segment is Moneyball slash playing to your strengths. Okay. I love Moneyball. I yeah. Good. Great movie. Did you pick that because Brad Pitt's so handsome or? Um, no, I picked it for the concept. Uh, he is handsome. He is that's handsome. not why I picked it. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I love Jonah Hill too, although if that gets me in trouble these days, <laughs> I'd strike that from the record. Almost anything can get you in trouble. You just got to, I mean, yeah, we should have a podcast you these, we just say until nothing. Until you hear these business pitches, then we'll see who's really good. Oh I might really get in good. trouble here. All right, no, for, so again, last episode, episode 31, where we hit 10,000 subscribers for the first time, because oh, awesome. Yeah. And now we're in an episode that itself is a power of two and has exactly. a ton of factors, which I love. Two to the seventh. Only you. That was a joke. That was a Only joke. you. Everyone knows it's two to the fourth. Just kidding. Let's start over. No, let's keep it rolling. All right. So, Jesse, I'm going to pitch you three ideas. Uh, okay. you, I just really, what I need from you is uh, a hard I'm in, uh, okay. a maybe, or a no, no way. Um, as an option, you can also fire me on the spot for having dumb ideas, but I implore okay. you not to do that. 
But we can't have like the buzzer X mark strikes like in America's Got Talent. Yeah, you could do that. You just do it okay. with your mouth and with like your arms. That, That'll okay. do. Yeah. Okay. That'll be really good uh, for all the audio okay. only listeners to see. You and do then, that oh, yeah. And then we can skip. I'll make it a sound effect too. Like, eh. yeah. You, or people will think you're doing Wakanda forever, but all right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Here's my first one. Here's my first one. Here's my first one. This is um, so the business concepts I'm in. in using here are uh, cross-selling and price gouging, two really good business strategies that they taught me in business school. All nice. right. So the idea is in a strip mall, we buy or we rent two spaces right next to each other, right? Two First one is a barber shop where we give free haircuts. Okay. And next door we have a hat store and uh, you give really, really bad haircuts. And then so, afterwards... But the prices for the hats are 5x what they normally be. So you recoup all the money you lost on the free haircut. You give a bad free haircut, they have to go buy a hat. Like they're going to be, oh my God, you, the mirror, they see how ugly they look. They go buy a hat. Oh man. In and you out. I'm in. I You're love in? it. I think it's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> because when people are in need, they'll pay any price. I mean, exactly. Half their hair I off, would... leave the other half on. You could sell half a hat and that could be a story too. But I, I mean, yeah, I went to, uh, I, I honestly went to get a haircut one time at a cheap haircut place and it was so bad that I looked around and said, God, I need to buy a hat right now. I don't have one. And that's, that's how all great ideas this are is, born. This folks. Is Go get a bad I, I haircut. <laughs> Some people uh, think they get shower ideas. Oh, I get a shower thought. No, you get bad haircut thoughts. That's how you're really going to figure this out. All right. Let me pitch you another that's one. I don't think I'm paying you enough. Tell me more. This is on the record folks. Um, all right, here's another one. I'm, I'm going to call this, uh, you know, people you bundle, right? Bundling is like a, a sales strategy. Yeah, of course, totally. This is, re this is called reverse bundling. Okay. So <laughs> instead of packaging four things together to sell it to one person, we're taking yeah. one thing and actually selling it to four people. There may be a more technical right. term, but I haven't read anything in a very long time. So, all right, we're going to open bundling. Okay. Yeah. So it's, okay. it's a nonprofit. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's disguised as a hip influencer restaurant. All right. Not what it seems. Okay. Exactly. So we, we get, we make it super exclusive. So all these people that are like clout chasers on Instagram, they're going to come and they're going to go, Oh, I want to take a picture of the food is very, very photogenic. Right. And it looks really nice. And they can put it on their Instagram and go, look how cool I am. Look how much money mm. I have. Right. Yeah. People love so to we do bring that. them to, they do, people love to do that. Yeah. So we, we, what we do, right. They don't you get know, I saw the, the PyCon at PyCon one year. I saw the Instagram CEO, or maybe it was the CTO. He got up and he introduced it as like, oh yeah, we're the brunch picture company. I mean, there Instagram. You go. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. If you're paying attention. If, I think if, it was before Facebook bought that. Guy knows his company. Yeah. So the food comes. Sorry to interrupt. No, no. It sounded yeah. like a really great idea. It sounds like you're already in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So the food comes and you don't get to eat it, right? You just get to take a picture of it. And you, you yeah. pass that same plate to everybody in the restaurant. They so nobody's actually pictures. eating. They all take a picture and they go, look at okay. me, look at me. And then we have people in need that you donate the food to, right? So, hey, that's you're doing good, right? And it, that's how we're nonprofit. Um, but you also get a receipt that says, I gave my food to a person in need. So you get to get double the clout. Not only are you rich and get to eat real expensive looking food, but you also get to do a good deed and then brag about it online. Do they pay, wait, do they pay? Wait, I need clarify. I have clarifying questions. Everybody they... pays full price for the plate, even though none of them get to eat the food. 
They all pay full price for the same plate that's passed exactly. around. Oh, that's reverse great. bundling. That's economies of scale. Economies too. of scale. That's the word. Yeah, that's embarrassing that I didn't know that. All right, wow. so you in and you out. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe don't mention your specific business school that taught you all this stuff, just in case they don't find <laughs> your ideas as compelling as I do. Yeah, but I love it. I'm in. You're in Let's on do both? both of them. Yeah, right. if we have a billion dollars, I don't know if then... I should even pitch you my third one, but I'm going to anyway because I can't help myself. All right, this is my last. Come on, one. man. Yeah, Ar arbitrage. This, th I'm calling this arbitrage and arbitrage. arbitrage. Everybody loves to say that. Um, arb, arb, arbing. For sure. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah all arbing. The, okay. All the cool kids say arb. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. Here's here's the prompt. Ready? I'm going to go back into pitch mode. Okay. Okay. Game all pace. Right. <laughs> all right. So, nothing is more annoying than hearing other people on Zoom calls. Agree or disagree? Totally agree. Especially when you can't hear their audio that they're hearing, and you only hear their side of it. Yeah. Exactly. Squatting, mm -hmm. squatters' rights is a very difficult thing for people to navigate these days, right? It's very hard. If people move into your house, they squat, you can't get them out. You can't, you can't get, get them out. out. Yeah, out. totally. Okay, so, every who hasn't dealt with squatters? Everyone's uh, had I, to deal with this. I haven't because you're not paying me enough to own anything. But we'll, we can we'll, <laughs> we'll circle back offline. All right. So here's here's the idea. Ready? The person who owns the home pays startups to actually just go squat in the same place that there are squatter squatters. And then they take zoom calls all day. They annoy the crap out of all of the squatters oh, and the squatters leave. So it's an alternative cash flow for co-working spaces, right? Yes. And the homeowner benefits. So you get a free place to work, not only a free yeah. place, but you get paid to work there and you're helping somebody. They include the zoom subscription in fundraising the, market is yeah. tough right now. These businesses yeah. need an alternative cash flow. Yeah. Right? How you are you going to make customers it... to fund your, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. If you need to get to your a round, right. Here's yeah. $10,000. Go take zoom calls all day in a, in a house wow. with a bunch of squatters and get them out. Which, is, which is the you best. Know what? Of... Now that I'm thinking, I'm thinking a billion dollars might not be enough to fund a billion. I want to be, I want all three. I want to be in all three. This is it, folks. So, if you have really, really good, like these are really good ideas. All you have to do is join a company, work there for about a year, convince your boss to do a podcast, and then convince him that you're getting to do a segment and then you pitch him on your ideas. And he says yeah. yes. And it's recorded. So I have verbal commitments now. I'm a, I'm a three times funded founder at this point in 15 minutes. Wow. Way to go. You can't this teach this in business school. You can't. All right. Well, no, no one does. So for the three people that are still, I didn't listening, entirely understand what the arbitrage angle was there. Like I just said the, the word because I know if you say okay. arbitrage, people get okay. interested. That you know? sounds like an underwear gnome kind of concept. Exactly. But, uh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So for the three people that are still listening and the nine thousand nine hundred ninety-seven that dropped off, uh, we're going to talk about common sense accounting for startups. Everything I just said had no common sense. This will have common sense. Um, that was that was an expert. So I just day, I invested in three bad ideas. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, you know, give or take. It's um, a lot of whiplash transferring from like the serious, the serious to the. I I took that seriously. Oh, I now appreciate I'm, that. I'm in yeah. front of a bunch of people liking those ideas. I've been given feedback that I mean, you know you said I, it wasn't I said, that many I people. Good, so. I set up good ideas for failure so that I don't I don't get hurt. You know, okay, something that okay. I'm working through. Right, you just kind of okay. neg yourself on purpose so that no one yeah. can say, oh, I didn't really try. Um, yeah. So if they go, so, that stinks. Yeah. It's like, oh well, I I yeah, wasn't. It was trying. a joke. It was a joke. It was a joke. Was, the joke's on you, not on me. Yeah. Now everybody okay. knows how this podcast got made. <laughs> All right. Here's it's okay. Here's, There's only three people left. So if, yeah, if that. All right. Let's let's seriously talk about this though. Um, practical expedience. 
So I'll give some technical definitions before we get into it. Practical expedient is essentially a rule that you can elect to simplify your accounting without sacrificing, you know, the reasonableness of the numbers that you're reporting. Um, basically, don't overcomplicate it for the sake of overcomplicating it. And this is a real you know, practical expedience or a thing that public companies elect to do, right? Elect to uh, to use in their own accounting. And then materiality is another concept that we're going to cover. So materiality basically means, hey, in the grand scheme of things, does this amount really matter, right? So if you're a business that's got a million dollars worth of revenue, $100,000 is definitely material. If you're a business that has billions of dollars worth of revenue, $100,000 might not be material. We're going to cover both of them. But Jesse, when you, when you talk to startups and you talk to our clients or other accounting firms, um, how, how do you see them thinking about this? Because from my perspective, I often hear people, you know, they, they hear the word gap or they hear the word compliance or audit and their initial reaction is, I'm going to get in trouble. I need to do everything to the letter of the law. Even though I have to overpay for accounting, like I need to do it because I don't want to get in trouble. You're a startup founder. You do our books with the help of some people on our team and we work with people all the time. How do you think about this? And like, what advice would you give to startups that are thinking about, how to you know how to go about their accounting process and set up their accounting policies you know it's a big issue there's i think the first thing to say here is that unless you're in a very highly regulated industry or growing super fast and raising money from banks or investors that are more scrutinizing than your average vc you're not doing an audit let's just say that right now you need to you need to keep gap financials to the extent that you can, but there's always a practicality constraint that's important to keep in mind. I think the idea of satisficing is a good one here, right? You generally want to try to have your financial statements reflect the economic value, the economic activity on your balance sheet, the value on your P&L, the activity that's yep. happening. Right. Is this, can I figure this out as an investor, as a reasonable person looking at your company from arm's length, just at the financials and asking some questions, can I figure out what's going on? And I think that that's a better gate than following, I don't know, ASC 606 to the letter. Yep. Because sometimes it's not practical. Right. And the difference between practical and perfect could be tens of thousands of dollars in expense right. and tons of your time that you'd rather spend growing your business. hundred percent. I think so, some of the common practical expedients that like I'll see businesses elect, especially and it, when you're a seed series or even series A, series B, right? You definitely want to be thinking about these things. I can't tell you the amount of people that are like, I'm going to pay a consultant to go over all of my contracts and make sure that they're in six, they're six or six compliant. I give $3 million worth of revenue. Don't do that. Right. So right. here's some common practical expedients. Like one would be, you know, low value asset write off or just expensing low value assets like a laptop. You know, sometimes people will capitalize a laptop. Right. Um, but you don't always have to, even though it does have a longer useful life than, say, you know, your office supplies. It may not make sense to track the depreciation of every single laptop if you're a 20 person company. Right. Another would be, you know, not capitalizing R&D costs necessarily, right? Are you going to be tracking the specific amount of time that your development team is spending developing new features? Or are you going to do a calculation to strip out any of the maintenance or the meetings to get to that real number that you're allowed to capitalize? Do you just expense it all, right? 
or one that we always come across because of the accruer, right, is is revenue, is straight lining. Um, obviously, you know, there's a question of if there's different performance obligations in accordance with 606, can I really straight line these assets? And at the end of the day, I think it comes down to, okay, if you did follow 606 to the letter of the law, what would your monthly, quarterly, and annual revenue be like for the majority of your contracts? Now, do the same exercise, but straight line them. Is it materially different? If it's not, you don't have to spend the time reviewing every single contract and doing a more complex revenue recognition process, right? If you don't have enough revenue for it to even matter, right? If the difference is a few thousand dollars a month and you have millions of dollars of revenue a year, just straight line it. It doesn't make sense to overcomplicate it. Um, Jesse, when you think about materiality, like what guidance would you give somebody to kind of figure out, you know, is this material, obviously talk to your auditor, obviously talk to, you know, your VP of finance, but what advice, if any, would you give to people when they're thinking about materiality? Like, how do you even determine what is or isn't materiality for your business? I mean, I, I try to go with my gut, yeah. but if I had to, I mean, the rule of thumb would be if I'm sitting in front of the CEO and I'm talking about the financials and I start getting into the intricacies of whatever it is I thought was worth spending a ton of time to nail down perfectly, are they shooing me out or are they saying, oh, tell me more about that? There. Right. What's most important yeah. to your business? Spend your time anticipating the questions the CEO is going to ask you or the CFO or whoever the stakeholders are that are connecting the company's strategy to your work and focus on that. That's such a that's such an interesting and qualitative way to kind of frame materiality. If your explanation of your accounting policy is going to put your CEO to sleep or get you kicked out of the room, right. it's too complicated. If they're going to say something like, can you get me someone who speaks English for God's sake? Yes. Yeah. Then, then maybe just do, make the approximation, take the shortcut. Yeah. Look, you can be taken to the opposite extreme too. We see people that just, okay, great. Cash, everything cash. Oh, yeah. You cannot do right? that. Right. Um, but you know, we, you know, we see businesses that are primarily a software business, but say as part of buying their software, they'll also get you an iPad, right? Software right. is 95% of their revenue. They sell iPads. That's maybe 5% of their revenue. They have maybe a hundred iPads sitting around at a time. They're not doing an inventory count of their iPads, right? That makes sense. I, mean, I don't know. A hundred inventory, a hundred iPads is like a hundred thousand dollars. No, so I'm depending I, on their size. Damn, I got iPad? iPad. I thought they were like a couple hundred bucks. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know, know anything, dude. I'm just giving out. I'm just giving out. Expensive iPad is two grand for sure. Yeah. Really? Um, is that is that like a that must be the the iPad gouging store? That's not I mean, listen, yeah, that could be not, maybe your maybe your three businesses are the wrong business, and you should yeah, rethink it. Should it. But look, iPads. we you pro you may not know this, but we capitalize our laptops. You know, we mm. we don't have a ton of them. Why? But the accruer makes it easy, right? Yeah. If it's easy True. and therefore practical, right? Like we don't have to do any work to depreciate it. It hits this particular account computers. And then automatically, each asset's getting depreciated automatically. Look, we're doing it over three years. We do have a threshold of, I don't know, $1,500 or something like that. Yep. But if it's easy, why not? Sure, do it sure. by the book. Accruer gives you a nice schedule. You can see what's in you know accumulated depreciation, net book value at the end of the month. But okay, if you're going to start to get into more nuances and you want to use very specific methods, and I want one for tax and one for 
alt min and I want, okay, now you've got to use like specialized software to do like multiple depreciation methods at once. All right. I'm asking the question, is this really worth it? Your tax accountant's going to do his own depreciation calculation anyway. Yep. Should you spend any time on this? Probably not. You threw out one thing and I'll just close the segment with this, the, the threshold concept, right? Um, this comes back to, again, conversations I have with businesses who are talking to other accounting firms, trying to figure out who's the right fit. And I'll say, can, can you write all of my accounting policies for me? And again, I'm like, hey, you guys have a few million dollars of revenue. Don't worry about having this grandiose accounting policy that covers every detail. But, you know, write down the rules that you're following. Also, just to train the rest of your team when you eventually hire them. But you can set a threshold exactly like you mentioned. Hey, even if it could, in theory, be a fixed asset, if it's under $1,000, I'm just going to expense it. Or, hey, I straight line every contract, but if the contract is over a certain dollar value, then I'll do a 606, you know, step-by-step analysis of how I actually should recognize revenue. It's okay to make those assumptions and proclamations because especially when an auditor comes in, they're going to go, how are you making these decisions? Oh, that's what you're doing? Okay, that makes sense for the most part. Maybe they'll give you advice to change it in the future, but at least they can follow it, right? And you're not, you're almost telling on yourself and you're not even doing anything wrong in the first place. Um, so don't want I mean, to think- do it yourself and lie and then get in trouble for lying when you weren't actually doing something wrong in the first place. <laughs> oh, that's how wow. she got in trouble. That's, that's how she Tom got in trouble. throwing some shade. Tom throwing shade. No, I love shade. Martha Stewart. Look, there's a there's an over like sometimes when clients ask us to do something that's going to involve a lot more complexity and ultimately is going to drive their costs up because we're going to have to ask them more things or go back to them more frequently or even write custom code to accommodate the request. I try to say, you know, what are you hoping to gain with this complication? Yep. Is is the juice worth the squeeze. And half the time they say, no, you know what? I'm not even going to look at that. I am the CEO and I'm not going to look at that. Yep. So then great. Let's not code it in. Don't paint yourself into a corner, a process corner where you have to add all this detail to every transaction you book to support a view you're never going to look at. Good stuff. I love it. We'll also be attaching uh, with, as we do with all our episodes, a blog that kind of covers this and gives a little bit more guidance. So definitely check that out. Um, but talking about common sense for money. Let's talk about money. I don't know if we should post the business ideas because that's like, no, no, that is listen great, but you know, okay. Oh, I forgot to tell you that um, everyone that listens is signing a verbal MBA through there. (laughs) Now they've all, by by clicking play, you've agreed to not steal my ideas. Okay. Uh, I haven't run that one past the lawyer yet, but that's another If I see a barbershop next to a hat store, you'll know. I'm going to raise an eyebrow. You'll know. All right, let's talk about Moneyball quick because we're coming up on time here. Okay. Moneyball, great movie. Moneyball, great but, movie. You know, great I, book. I, great Based book. on a great book by a great author. I I really really like this topic. Um, I'm really glad that you brought it up. You know, and when we talk about Moneyball here, if you guys have, if people haven't seen the movie, it's a story about the Oakland A's. It's a true story. They're a team that didn't have as much money as all the other teams in the league, and. They kind of went through this process of just, you know, trying to get expensive players and, you know, they would leave for bigger market teams like the Yankees. And it was kind of this question of what are we going to do? How do we compete against the big guy? Um, and they came up with this concept um, to basically figure out how to use people to their strengths, right? You may not have the fastest guy. You may not have the strongest guy, but if you can find people's strengths, you can build a team. And that team ended up making the playoffs that year. So Jesse, when you think about, that concept in terms of like our hiring strategy and just the hiring strategies that you see, 
our, our clients and other accounting firms taken. How do you think about it? Um, how do you think about, you know, using people to their strengths? I think it's maybe the single biggest challenge when you want to become a leader. Um, you know, when I went full-time with Phenoptimal and started hiring people, raising money, um, learning how to hire and how to fit people in where they belong, where they want to go, where they're going to flourish and bring their best to the company every day. You know, um, hiring to fit one particular profile, you know, I want superstars from Ivy League school, this and that. I mean, that that's not necessarily a winning strategy if you're resource constrained yeah. or even if you want a diverse population with different strengths. Yep. Playing to your strengths is much better than getting a bunch of people, let's say, that are going to conflict because they're all the same. So I try to hire fast, um, figure out how people are going to what people are going to bring to the table that wasn't right. clear from their resume or how they interviewed. Oh, this person's good. Didn't expect that. Oh, you're, 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 you were going to become an accountant. Now you want to become an encoder. All right. Let's see if we can make that work. If that's what you want. I want right. to try to benefit from you benefiting. Um, that's much better than, well, that's not what we're, that's not how we, that's not what we're looking for. We're, we're looking for a very specific profile. We thought you were that and you're not. So this isn't going to work out. Right. It's a, it's a classic square peg in a round hole. There's all the, if you ask a fish to climb a tree, you'll see it fail, right? All of those different kind of, uh, you know, sayings. But I do think it's important because when you're a startup, you don't have access to all of the capital in the world. And there's so many different opportunities these days. Uh, and more importantly, like who, no one's heard of you. It's like right. the, the, the best and the brightest, so to speak, that are coming out like the top percentage of their class. And they're not looking for you. They're, they're looking for the big four. They're looking for you know, you know, unicorn startups, they're looking for, you know, prestige and money. Yep. Not that we can't offer money, but yeah, your, your pool is limited. It's important to like, you know, you want to, you want people to be excited about their job, right. And about work so that their job is, is a career. It's not just a job where it's a passion, something that they, you know, go home and work on at night or work on on the weekend, just because they literally love it or just completing it fulfills them. But the truth is, it's easier said than done to say people should be excited about what they do at work. And I think it's important as a leader to help people figure it out, right? To whether that's, you know, throwing different things in front of them, letting them try and fail at different things. Because the amount of times I've asked the direct reports, what do you want to do? And I just get a blank, I don't know, like, I'll do anything, right? Like, that's just, to me, that's, it's a little bit defeated, right? And it's, I think the leader's job or the manager's job to continue to put them in different positions to say, okay, like you don't know if you should be a first baseman or a shortstop, but I'll, you know, I'll let you do all the different practice and see where I think you're showing, you know, the, the real potential and then put you in that. Even if you're going to be uncomfortable, I'm going to put you in that position and I'm going to encourage you to try and fail because that's how you're going to grow as a person. Right. So, um, you know, it's not just, I need to have the best and brightest all of the time or the person with the most technical skills. Uh, I don't want to steal your line here, but it's about hiring for heart, right? Yeah. Yeah. Look for the heart. And when I, when I say heart, I'm thinking about drive and willingness to work hard. Yeah. And most of, most of growth, the company growth and the individual growth comes from just working hard. All right. You don't know what you want to do. Here's some work, do it quickly, do it well treat it with a sense of urgency 
and um, that's that's the most valuable thing that I can ask for, particularly somebody at the be- closer to the beginning of their career, which is most of a startup's roster typically. Yep. Um, and you know, at some level, people, I think another sort of guiding thought here is not to try to change people. They are who they are. Maybe people can change, but you can't change people necessarily, like right? So people, you know, wind themselves up and they walk, they, they march in the direction that they're walking. And your job as a leader is to try to get them walking in the same direction or put yep. people in seats that when they wind themselves up, when you wind them up by trying to inspire them at an all hands meeting with a podcast such <laughs> as it is, right? That they're yep. going to be wound up and bring you their best, which is to say, walk in a direction that comes together for something better. That's that's how I see my challenge as a leader. It's not about right. writing better accounting code or, you know, delivering audit perfect books. Yeah. I think if I, I apply that in my regular life too. Don't expect somebody to be who they're not and you're not going to be disappointed, right? right? Know right. who's know who everyone is and what they do. If they change, great, but don't expect it. Um, yeah. So cool. That was that like, was a Tom, great I'm not saying you're not a superstar, but even if you weren't a superstar, I think there'd still be stuff for you to There's do. There's still a place for me here. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. If you, if you even guys, if not, even if, if you an ideas guy, that's subjunctive the case. Yeah. Okay. Oh, thank you. I love ending the show with compliments. All right, so I think we had a good show. Yeah. Three genius business ideas. Now everybody knows how yeah. smart I am and how good my yes. ideas are. Yeah. Um, really good convo about practical expedience, materiality, common sense accounting. Again, check out the blog. That's going to be. Um, attached to this podcast on our website, finoptimal.com. It's really important that as much as we joke around, you guys actually get something out of this. And I think that was a good convo because there's too many people out there struggling with that. And then finally, Moneyball. Think about putting people in the right position. That's how you're going to be successful uh, when you can't go against the big guys just yet. Jesse, great episode, episode 32. Like I said, we're rocking and rolling. Any closing thoughts for the audience? Yeah, like I said, uh, you know, two to the fifth is a great number for an episode. Stay tuned for next time because next the next episode is a palindromic integer. Yeah, Jesse so doesn't know that I'm it. changing the episodes. We're going to start doing letters and numbers next time and really throw them <laughs> off his game. Fine, make it a palindrom- Make it double A, then it'll still be palindromic and I won't have false I'm going to keep making up numbers until I can, <sighs> I can totally trick Jesse and knock it. Hallmark, hallmark of a superstar. All right. Thanks for listening, folks. If any of you are still listening, have a good one.